everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Join Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy, even in infertility. Hey friends, welcome to our 10th episode. And this past week, we also got to see over 10,000 listens to the Joy and Infertility podcast. So to celebrate, we thought we would do something different. Since launching, I've gotten a lot of questions about our story. So today we are sharing just that. I'm so excited for you guys to meet my husband, Jay. When we first started dating back in 2005 in high school, I knew he was it for me. And not just because he had the cutest straggly long hair I'd ever seen, or because he could rock a polo better than most, but because for the first time in my life, I found a guy that challenged me to think better and to do things that scared me. He was that man back 13 years ago, and he has stayed that man until this day. I am what I am, and I do what I do, even this podcast, because he pushes me to think differently. And out of everyone he's created uh, to live in this moment and to own this time, this is the part that he's called us to carry and to care for. And it's such a small part in terms of history, but this is what God, this is the blessing that he's given us and infertility is a part of it and the life that he's called us to live and we are gonna live it well and we're gonna carry this in a way that glorifies him with everything that we have. And in true Porter fashion, we talked way too long. So I had to break this episode up into two episodes. The first episode covers our infertility journey as we call it part one of that journey our surprise miracle, and then our journey of infertility part two, as well as what led me to this podcast. Part two is going to cover really what we've been learning through the past eight years of our infertility journey and where we are right now. So let's get to my conversation with the one and only Jay Porter. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here with you. This is going to be fun. So this is our 10th episode, and we've also celebrated over 10,000 listens. So we thought we could do something a little different. And since launching, we've gotten a lot of questions about our story. So we thought we would do that to celebrate our 10th episode. You guys get to hear our journey and our story and some things that we've learned along the way. Woo-hoo. So thanks, babe. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to start with our story, how we met? Should we go back that far? It's pretty far. So I remember when you first, your first day of high school, walking in. Oh my gosh, you're going back I just remember when you, I just remember I when you walked in the cafeteria and I said, who, who is that girl? Time stood who is still. That girl? And that's, that's where it kind of all began at that point. So started dating in high school. I was, you were in high school. I was a freshman in college, but friends throughout high school. And I think you were a little angry actually at me when I first walked into the cafeteria that day because I sat at your table and I wasn't invited so you made that sound so romantic, but it really wasn't. Yeah. When I tell the story with friends, I'm like, you know, she walked in, she sat down at our table, like who was this girl sitting at our table, right, in the cafeteria of Columbia High School. And three years later, we became friends. Three years later, became friends, and then uh, eventually we started dating. We uh, One thing that I do tell of the story is um, I believe this is true. People who I tell this who did who don't live in Florida, they think I'm crazy, but Hey, when you're in Florida, you you enjoy the summer, you enjoy spring break. So if you're, uh, but you can't be a tourist and walk up on the beach. White, white, exactly. So no. went to tanning. You know, got the monthly little tanning subscription. Went to Membership. the, you know, went and tanned for a month, and then we actually started seeing each other at the same time. 
So we started going out to eat, you know, hey, you want to hang out after? And then I think that month was up. Schedule our appointments around each other. Yes, we would schedule like, hey, when you come in. And so uh, I think the month went through and I paid for another month just so I could see you and be around you. And then I think eventually we were like, hey, can we stop spending money and just start hanging out? And uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. and then we officially started dating and dated for what, a year, eight months? Uh, Probably uh, probably a year and a half. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. A year and a half. So I knew pretty quickly into it that this was it. You were it. I was done. Took you a couple weeks longer than myself, but you eventually caught up. Yeah. You followed me to Bible college and then we got engaged and we were married at 19 and 20. Super young. Super young. Actually, I was 18. I turned 19 a month later. You are 20 and you turned 21 on our honeymoon. So 18 and 19. I always say, yeah, I always say 19 and 20. Okay. 18 and 19. That sounds so much better. So our parents were thrilled <laughs> that we were getting married that young. They were. Yes, they were. Actually, I think they were. Maybe. They could have lied. I feel like they were. So that was in 2007. That was 11 years ago. A little over 11 years ago. And then... So 2007, we thought we were good. We were going to wait our five-year plan. I kind of messed that up in 2010. And actually, it was January of 2010 because we were at a conference that I knew we were at. And I said, hey, let's start our family. And you said, okay. Yeah. We were were excited to begin that journey. And here we are today, you know, not expecting that what would happen would happen. But um, God has taught us a lot through this journey. So. So let's walk through that story since a lot of people don't know that. It was many years ago. And um, do you want to share? Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is I'll make sure that you make sure I get the, the numbers right. I think what I remember most um, from that story is is that when we decided to start having kids and we started pursuing that, um, you know, I think about, what, a year in, I felt like that's when we started really start to just kind of talk about it with family and friends. Like, Hey, is this normal that it's taking this long? Yeah. I didn't really know that that was, that was a thing. So I, I was on the phone with my, my sister-in-law and I was like, she said something about when are you all starting to, when do you want to have kids? And so we actually have been trying for a year and she's like, Oh, well that's, that that's the marker. Like if you, if you've been trying for a year and you haven't gotten pregnant, you need to go get some testing done. I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. So that, I think that was kind of the, the shift for us, we're like, oh, this isn't normal. We need to seek some help. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm not like, I'm not the kind of guy that like shies away from, uh, any type of obstacle or I kind of like to run into the unknown. And so, uh, Hey, it began the journey of many trips to the love room, uh, for semen analysis and all that good stuff. And so, uh, we just began this journey of like, Hey, what, what does this mean? I think what I remember the most is, you know, being at University of Florida, you know, one of their doctor offices and infertility, you know, whatever. And the lady just saying, the doctor saying, hey, like, you're going to have to do IVF. And so when you start first start hearing these, these terms that you don't know, you're like, well, what does this mean? And really the biggest thing that stood out was like, oh, yes, yeah, it's going to cost about $20,000. And she didn't skip a beat. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, this is what you're going to have to do. And I just never forget that moment of like, we don't have $20,000 nor. Yeah. We're like, we got married at 18, 19. That means we're what? 22, 23 at this point, four years in. Yeah. I mean, we were just um, a year, a couple of years out of like, there were moments where we didn't know how we we're going to pay all of our bills. And, 
God provided in, you know, miraculous ways of someone sending us like a hundred dollar check while we were in Bible college so that we could, uh, eat, you know, and they didn't even know what we were going through. God just provided. And so I just remember sitting there like, like knowing that somehow God was going to take care of us, but at the same time knowing like, man, this is, this, this just can't be like this. It can't be that $20,000 is what stands in the way of us having, having a kid and just the doctor's look of like, this is nothing like you, like knowing that we're, you know, that young. And so for her to look at us and then not skip a beat, it's like, what, what are you thinking that we, yeah. And it was very uncomfortable to even ask to talk to the financial advisor, which I feel like now it's not, that's very standard with anything we've done since then. But back, but at that doctor's office, they were like, I mean, you can, I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we need to, we need to figure out what options we have. So backing up a little bit at that first, not that first appointment, it started these tests. Um, and they, they told us, which they tell most, a lot of people this, there's really no point in digging into Kaylee's issues without checking Jay first, because if it's male factor, then that changes the course of the testing we do for, for Kaylee. And so that's why you referenced the love room. That was the first time was definitely intense. Um, but you did not shy away from that. Like you said, you just, you just owned that man, you manned up and you did it. And I so am grateful for that. Um, but they found out pretty quickly that it was male factor, at least partially male factor. Um, you had some pretty much all three areas, um, mobility count, morphality, I think are all the terms, um, they were not good on all three factors. And so they really, that's why they pushed us to do IVF because they said with your sperm count, we had a less than 3% chance with IUI. So not even naturally, the only thing they could tell us with IUI was, which was somewhat cheaper, that there was no point in doing that because we had less than 3% chance. And so really that started about three years for us of lots of tests. We go about six months without like going to doctor's office trying to save money. And we go back in just, I think, hoping that something changed and we kept going and they were very patient with us, but they're like, nope, you're still here. This is still what you need to do. So in 2013, we decided that we were starting to get a lot of questions about when we were starting our family. We had been very quiet with only maybe sharing this with a few people that were very close to us. And so we decided that the only way that we were going to make any progress with our limited amount of income was that for me to start kind of a side job. And so I started a blog and a business at the same time, a little direct marketing jewelry business. And we decided to go public with that so that people would know kind of the purpose of this second job. And it was very scary. Remember that day whenever that first blog Mm -hmm. went live um, I think for so long I walked around just people were hurtful with what they were saying because they didn't know that we were dealing with this. So I was very intimidated to share. And then I just thought that the the wounds, the wound would get bigger because it would be more exposed. Um, but it was really the exact opposite. Um, and people just jumped on board. They, I booked so many parties. I think I had 20 parties within three months. And, um, we were just started, we were saving money. So that's what we were doing. And we, I, you came to my jewelry parties with me and helped me set up and sometimes modeled and made funny jokes and it worked. And so I, we were saving money and then 2014 rolled around. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing was like, God, we were on a journey 
um, trying to have kids for that point four years. And at the same time, we were at an amazing church in uh, close to our hometown in Florida. But at the same time, God had been working on our hearts of like, hey, I'm doing something in you uh, in terms of your job. And so we both worked at the church. So it was kind of like, man, like what, God, what are you doing? And so uh, we actually, uh, but at the same time, we're never giving up on this dream of having kids. So we uh, started pursuing fostering. And so we became licensed foster uh, parents. At the same time, I'm applying for churches that are outside of Florida, just saying, hey, we're just trying everything. We're never going to stop. And we're just going to keep doing what we're doing to see what God would, would do in the midst of it and just see what doors will be open. And so, I mean, I'll never forget it. Like we were living in this desert season, knowing that God had us, but at the same time, not knowing what the next part of our journey uh, would be. And so, Honestly, we, I mean, we, we did feel kind of forgotten. Like we were just in this desert where we knew something needed to change, but we didn't, didn't know how or where or how that was going to happen. Cause everywhere we turned was this insurmountable odds of financial stuff or waiting to get a placement for a newborn or this job that we didn't know why we were being called away from it, but we knew we were being called away from it and we didn't know what that next step. So it was just, it was it was definitely a desert season. We've kind of always called it that. And that's, there's no better way to describe that. Yeah. So then I, I was applying, one of the churches I applied for was a church out of Oklahoma, the church where we work at now that has locations all over the United States. And so uh, I'll never forget on a random Sunday, we were, uh, we gave just an extra offering because uh, our church at the time was doing a building campaign. And I just asked like, God, just, just, just smile on us this week. Like we just, we just need to feel your presence in some capacity. And so at that point, we became licensed foster parents. We were getting, we were getting phone calls for like five-year-olds. I just wasn't what we felt like, you know, we were in a season to handle not being parents before and just not really knowing if we could jump right into having a five-year-old in our house. And so on a, like a Wednesday afternoon, I got a phone call from our social worker about a placement for a potential newborn. And then also the church we're part of now, Life Church, actually called me and said, hey, we'd love to talk to you more about the position and just kind of begin that journey. And so it was crazy. Like that, that was what we had been praying for. Like God smiled on us in that afternoon. And so I told, you know, my boss, who ended up being my boss, we ended up getting hired. I said, I said listen, uh, here's, where, here's, here's where we are in our journey. I said, they just called just literally like an hour before you called me about a placement for an infant. And I can't pass this up. Uh, our, our number one goal is to start our family. And so I want to continue this journey talking with you, beginning this process with Life Church. But if they call back and we get this placement of this kid, we have to see this through. We can't leave empty-handed in, empty -handed in this way. And so they didn't call back for uh, the placement uh, for the child. Um, and so we kept talking to Life Church. That was a Wednesday. It was the following Monday. Um, you came in the bedroom. And backing up a little bit, bit on my side of things, I had been going to the doctor for a couple of weeks about what I thought was an ulcer because of the stress that we were under, I felt like. Um, and they just kept giving me medication. They didn't ever really dig in anything. They were just like, here, take some Nexium or whatever it was. Um, and it was, I mean, I was, it was significant pain that I was experiencing occasionally. And from that, it turned into, or not it turned into, I actually came down with what I thought was the flu so just achiness and fatigue and just, just really sick. And I was in bed 
and you came in, it was a Monday afternoon. You came in and you said, Hey, the guy called from Life Church. If we want the job, we have to fly out next weekend. And I was like, I was, I was angry when you told me because I kind of was still holding out hope that they were going to call us about this newborn. Um, cause it was only a few days ago that they had said they would call us back. And I just told you, I'm not, I'm not starting over. If we move, we start all over. We have to get relicensed. We have to find new community. I have to start, you know, continue my business out there while we're saving money. Like I'm not starting over. This, this was our plan for the year and this changes everything. And but I don't know how you convinced me to jump on board, but you did. And we decided to fly out. So it would be basically a little less than two weeks from that day. Well, we took it as let's go on this free trip to Oklahoma and just, and see, just see what, what happens and see this amazing church. And regardless of what happens, I knew we'd learn right. something from the process. And, uh, yeah. but we also knew like if we were at the point where if I didn't get the job that I was going to come back and probably resign from the church I was at. Um, and we had talked about this with our, our senior pastor at the time and just said, Hey, you know, this, the season of our time, or at least for me at that church was coming to an end. And so coming to an end and we just knew that, uh, if God didn't do something on this trip, then, uh, we were going to come back and life was going to look completely different in Florida. So that was a Monday. Um, I made it through that week, that weekend, you were actually preaching at our um, previous church and I was supposed to be there at like 6am because we were portable and I had a job to do, but I could not get there. I was so sick. I then had the stomach flu um, and we were eating really healthy and working out and I didn't make it to church that day until like 10 o'clock, right when you were about to preach. And on the way, I had to stop and get a Hardee's biscuit. I remember it so clearly. I'm like, I have got to throw the wrapper away so Jay never sees it. I have got to make sure no crumbs are in my car because this is such a no-no. And you, I made it to church at 10. You preached. And afterwards in the lobby, I saw my, tra- my our trainer. And I was like, Chrissy, I have to confess. I, I have eaten a Hardee's biscuit the past like two days. It's the only thing I can think about. I cannot think about doing anything that I've been doing. It's just, I'm sick and I've got it. Like, I've, I don't know. All I want is carbs. And she was like, Gailey, go home and take a pregnancy test. She's like, I know you're not pregnant. I know, I know the drill, but go home and take a pregnancy test. And so that was Sunday, um, Monday morning at 5 a.m. I woke up, took a pregnancy test. You were in the shower and it was positive. Definitely positive. <laughs> and I think I, I, op- I don't know. I told like you opened the shower door and you were like, what's going on? I'm like, it's positive. And you hugged me. And then I got back in bed and like, all I remember thinking was I'm so tired. I just have to go back to bed. I'm just so tired. Um, at that point I was, I didn't know it at the time, but I was full on like seven weeks. So, um, actually I got back in bed cause I was tired, texted my trainer and my, one of my friends and was like, pray I'm pregnant. I don't know how this happened. And then I think I got up and threw up that morning and that was my first morning sickness and you cheered the whole way because you were like, at least that means it's growing. (laughs) So that was five days before we flew out for the interview. So we, before we flew out, we met with our family again and said, Hey, um, we're pregnant. (laughs) We're pregnant. And we're we're still going on the interview. So yes, we'll be back later. Yeah. It's a literally so that whole interview weekend. I was eating cliff bars and saltines to keep from completely ruining your interview because I was so sick, so sick. But the, the cool thing is, is that was a part 
of our interview journey. I mean, it was a part of our story. It's about who we are. And so, I mean, yeah, three weeks, literally parents, Hey, we're family. We're going on this interview. Don't know what's going to happen either way. I don't know what's going to happen when we get back. Hey, we're pregnant to then we actually got offered the job. Uh, we went to the interview before the interview process was, was completely over with before we left Oklahoma city, we got offered the job. And so we said, yes, got on the plane and said, or did we just agree to move to Texas without even visiting Texas? Well, and I'm saying, just, found out pregnant. just found out that you're pregnant. And so, uh, you know, best decision we've ever made. God has done some tremendous things on that journey. We loved our time in Texas. Now we're in Kansas and obviously we miss being away from family. But the funny thing is, is that we, you were still a little too early to really tell people like, Hey, I, I, we're pregnant. And we wanted to tell people because it was truly genuinely God doing a miracle and Emma is our miracle baby. And, you know, the 3% chance of having a kid naturally. I mean, it's just, it's, and we didn't have the money and God just showed up in that way. We wanted to tell everybody, but it was kind of too soon to do that. And so people literally were telling them we're leaving. And uh, I think we ended up going, going public on Facebook pretty soon after that, but still we couldn't really tell all our people at church who loved us. And they're looking me in the eye going like, why are you doing this? You just got licensed as a foster parent. And now you're leaving all that behind knowing like, yeah, but there's a story that you're about to hear uh, that I believe uh, it's going to bring glory to God. And I can't wait for you to hear it. You just can't hear about it just yet. Yeah. So for was, me, it was just, it was, it was the exact thing that I needed to be able to leave our family and friends in Florida. Um, I just needed, I needed to know that, like, I just felt like I, we were able to take our family with us and we didn't have to start over. And honestly, it was just a good distraction for, the next, however, you know, eight more months or whatever, we were, I was able to move our entire life, leave our family who we had never been more than two hours away from to a place I had never been around people that I'd never met. And it was exactly what I needed to be able to survive those eight months. And then we had Emma and it was just the rest. Is, I mean, not the rest is history, but really, I mean, it's what it's just, just, it was just God's timing. If I would have had Emma or a child, um, in Florida, I don't know if we would have ever left. And I just, I'm so grateful for God's timing because I never experienced what's, what it's like to have a child in the same town where I live with my parents and our family and all these people around us. I never experienced that. And so my only note, my only experience is having a baby with this community of church and friends and just this community outside of our family. And so I'm, I'm I'm just really grateful for the timing of that. If it would have happened any sooner, our life would look very different. Yeah. And I think the genuine picture of the, the people we had around us was, I mean, there were people in our life group that held Emma before I got to, to hold Emma. <laughs> By accident. Um, just because, you know, that's, that's the people that God sent to, to cover us and to, to be with us on this journey. Cause we were so just so far away from family, but you know, a defining moment in our life, obviously God given us that miracle. And here, here we are, you know, still praying for another miracle, believing that our family will be, uh, so much larger than what it is. And infertility is still, it's still a part of our journey and part of our story. And, and we're at the same time, we're okay with that. Yep. And so we, I mean, I kind of hoped, and I had a couple of people say that, that, man, I think I just, I bet you're going to be one of these people who struggled the first time and then you're going to just get bit, but get pregnant right away and not have any issues a second time. And I kind of hoped that that was going to be true, but it's definitely not been. So it took us um, a few months to be ready to start trying after having Emma, just because it was having a baby through me for a loop for sure. Um, but we started trying pretty much right before she turned one. 
And so she's about to be four. So we're up almost at three years now. And so we started seeking treatment in Texas because it was a lot cheaper. Um, we, well, I say we started trying, we, we started trying for about a year before we started treatment. And then we went to a treatment center there and started getting tested. Same thing. Um, they were starting to test you for things, but this doctor was able to actually pursue testing me. And so, um, we were going to do IUI. So they wanted to make sure everything was clear on that end of things. So I had to do, you know, the, I think it's called the HCG test where they clear your tubes and all of that. You were getting tested for your semen analysis all the time. Doctor was trying meds on you, Clomid, things like that. They weren't really working, but our doctor was like, go ahead and do an IUI if you're comfortable with it. And we'll just see what happens. That was in 20, yeah, 2016, I think. And we got the call actually on a Sunday morning at church that it worked and that I was pregnant. My numbers were a little low, but they said that that could just be that you're a little earlier, could be maybe that it's not going to take, like, you know, it could be a chemical pregnancy, but they would retest me in a couple of days. So we definitely did our, our happy dance in the lobby with all of our people there. They had known we were doing the IUI round. So everyone was waiting on that phone call with us that day. And so it was fun to celebrate those couple of days, but we went in and, um, like they said, our, my numbers did drop. And so they called it a biochemical pregnancy. I really didn't know what that was or how to kind of process that. Um, it's, it's just one of those weird things. It's, it's such an early, they, they said it's a very early miscarriage. So that threw us for a loop for sure. For a couple of days we went in and the doctor said that, you know, she said either you don't have to wait a, a, any, any amount of time before you do another round if you don't want to. And so we were traveling for the next couple of weeks. So we had to wait anyways, another month, but I went in December 1st, I think ready to do another round. And when they went in to check me, they found a cyst, what they thought was a cyst on my right ovary. And so she said, we can't really do a, you know, can't put you on Clomid with that. So we're going to have to put you on birth control for a month, which is so discouraging when you're trying to get pregnant. And we'll take a look at that on January in January and make sure it's gone away. In the meantime, Jay was having his surgery. So you were having, what's it called? Yeah, Vericacil. Vericacil. If anyone is a medical person and we're butchering this, I'm so sorry. Um, But basically there's a cluster of veins that can impede sperm production. And so he was having a surgery on January 2nd, I think, of 2018. 17 to remove that on both sides. So it's bilateral so that hopefully his numbers would increase. And so I went into my, my doctor's appointment the day before your surgery and they said, Hey, it's not gone away. You're going to have to have surgery to remove it. Um, while we're in there, we'll check for your endometriosis. So we'll try to kill two birds with one stone, but they wanted me to schedule that as soon as possible. But with Jay's recovery, I had to wait until February. So the next day we went in and Jay had a surgery, and then a month later, I walked in and had a surgery on what they thought was the cyst, and they went in and they found out it was a dermoid tumor, and it was pretty large, and it actually had pretty much absorbed my right ovary. So I woke up um, from the anesthesia, and Jay was standing there, and you said, they got it, everything's good, but they took your ovary with it. Um, I think you tried to be encouraging about how it's not going to affect fertility, the doctor said. What's interesting is just like that doctor, which 
we've had a billion doctors with all mo- like 99% have amazing bedside manner, but this doctor was just so excited that it was that type of tumor. Oh yeah. And so yeah. I'm like, cause it's well, like they nerd out on it. Yeah. But I'm like, well, what does that mean? Ma'am, I know you don't know her whole story, but we're trying to have a kid. And she's like, wait, people get pregnant on one over all the time, but still just with the continual loss that we've had in this journey, even with Emma, you know, um, you know, it was one more thing of like, we're, we're reminded of the fact that, you know, we are, we are up against something huge. And once again, you know, we're, that's another blow to, to our journey. It's like, it's like your surgery put us a step forward and my surgery put us a step back. Yeah. Cause I mean, my surgery, I'm pretty much some days back in the normal range, which is great. You know, numbers yeah, his wise. surgery worked. We found out like he had to get tested every three months last year and every time he would go in and, um, they were increasing. I mean, the doctors were still like, Oh, you only have 10 million, you know, and we're like, whatever we had, you had 2 million when we got pregnant with Emma. This is huge. This is great news. Um, and I think by the end of the year, you, they considered you in the normal range. So your surgery worked. It was great. Um, and so actually right out. So that was in February. And so in May we did our second IUI round. I was ready to do another one. Actually, we didn't have them financially. We were not able to do it. And, we had someone just call us out of the blue and say they wanted to pay for our next round of fertility. And we also are someone in our life group. They tried to be discreet. They were not discreet. They left us money in, a, in an envelope by our coffee maker one night after life group. So we just were like, oh, like God's, God's providing for this next round. We're going to be able to do this. And how cool of a story is this going to be? Like after our surgeries, everything we're, you know, we're in tip top shape. All my endometriosis was taken out for my surgery. And so everything was going to be perfect, perfectly lined up. We don't, we didn't have the funds, but God provided. Like, how awesome is the story? We were writing it already. So we went in to do the round, and I actually was getting on a plane to go visit our family in Florida the day that we were supposed to get the results back from our blood work. And so I was, I landed, and they were going to call Jay just in case I was on the plane. And I called Jay, and he was like, nope, no call yet. Got in the car with my mom, and like five minutes down the road, he called he was like, it didn't work. It didn't work. And I was in the car with my my brother and my mom. So I was trying to save face and not be too upset about it and keep keep everything being really on the up and up and positive because I knew I was going to get the results pretty quickly while I was there. And they didn't want, I didn't want to ruin the trip. Um, but that was pretty hard to be away from you in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, it just was bad. Yeah, I hated not being able to be there. Because we just thought, we thought, hey, this is, why would this not work? God provided. It was hard. It was hard because I wanted to be there for you. I mean, you were taking care of Emma. You're on your family. And the last thing we need to do is be, you know, that far apart from each other. But we just thought, we just thought, hey, this was, this was going to work. And it didn't. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. I mean, not, not cool. I mean, I'd rather have a kid, but um, looking back, we thought we were starting those fertility treatments back in. August, September, October of 2016 for to, to have a baby. But what's crazy is that those treatments is what that's that, that is what led the way for them to find that tumor. And that I didn't have any pain. I didn't feel anything. They were shocked that I couldn't feel anything, but I didn't. And they said within six months, no doubt that thing would have ruptured and completely destroyed my reproductive organs. So it's really 
I can, we can just see God leading us that direction. Um, I wanted it to be what gave us a baby, but it, it really just saved, you know, saved me. It, it protected me in a lot of ways because they would have never, I don't know how long it would have taken for me to realize that something was wrong. And so now I have to get yearly, um, ultrasounds, vaginal ultrasounds, because they're always going to be checking for cysts and tumors like that, especially since I only have one ovary left. They want to be super safe with that. And so that was that. And then in May, you know, on that trip, I really didn't understand. I didn't feel like that one had any purpose and I'm good as long as I can find purpose. But when I can't find the purpose, I get, I really struggle. Um, and I was on the plane ride back and I just, I I was just struggling. I was just, I had my headphones in. I was listening to some worship music. I turned on a podcast that I like to listen to. And I just was like, why, why did you do that? And I was like, I just wish I had something to plug into my ears. At the time, I think I was listening to a podcast for moms that I love. And I was like, I wish I had something I could plug into my ears right now and listen to. Like, I need, I need something that speaks life into this moment, into this place in my life when things are not working out. And all we want to do is build our family, which is what you've called me to do. You told us to be fruitful and multiply. And this it's not happening. You've given me this desire. This isn't a selfish desire. This is a, you've given me this desire. Why can't I make this work? And I wanted something to speak to me in that place. And I, and I got on iTunes. I couldn't find anything. Everything was like tips and tricks on how to get pregnant. Doctors talking, which is all great and fine. I just wasn't there. I didn't need that. I needed, I needed, how do I move forward from this dark place? How do I still look up after this? And it was just kind of on that, that airplane ride home that God dropped this, dropped that idea in my head and said, maybe, maybe you need to do that. Maybe that's your thing. And it took almost a year for that to fully come out. But, um, I definitely, that was definitely planted that day. And since May of 2017, we have not done any rounds. Um, I had to take a break after that. I was pretty emotionally done just the up and down of, having to live in that what if and what if and what not moment. Um, so I just couldn't do it anymore. So we took a break in July. We got started to get licensed to be foster parents in Texas and started the process, went through the classes, trying to get our home study done. And it was about August and we just didn't have a piece. We, me and me and you could not get on the same page about like getting the stuff done and turned in. Um, and we just, we finally sat down and we we're like, we just need to wait. And I said, why don't we wait until January and pick it back up in January? We still have six months before our classes expire. Let's just wait until January to pursue this. And um, we found out, what, two months later, a month or two later. Well, November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we were going to be moving to Kansas City, <laughs> which is where we are now. And we moved January 6th. So it was actually on my list, on my, like I have a to-do list um, on my computer in January when we were packing up the house. I opened it up um, one day and looked at what was to do on the list that day. And it said, pick foster stuff back up. <laughs> and so I said, oh, hey, we, uh, we can't do this. So it's kind of a joke. When we get licensed to foster, we move. And so that just seems to be our pattern, Florida and Texas. And so, but it's always on our heart. We'll never really let that dream die. So we're going to always, always probably be pursuing that in some way. Mm-hmm. So that's our story. 
And we've been talking for about 35 minutes and I always tell everyone to keep their stories to five to 10 minutes. So I am so sorry if you are listening and you have been interviewed on this episode, on this podcast. But from that story comes joy and infertility. And so I'm just grateful that you followed that. And I think, I think, I think I said like, don't do the podcast, let's pursue fostering. And, And when we finally came back around, we decided to put fostering aside and take that break. And from that came this and that was 100% the right call and God knew that he was going to move us to Kansas City but just I'm proud of you and just I'm grateful that you said yes and God's doing a really cool thing through this podcast and that's because you were willing to follow uh, that call that he put on your heart so I'm just I'm so proud of you and I want you to know that all right so you've heard our story and how the podcast was born and all of that so now jump over to part two of our interview, we're going to share what God has taught us through the past eight years of our journey, some things that he showed us along the way. I promise you, you do not want to miss one part of the next episode. So jump on over and start listening. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you, He sees your heart, He loves you, and He is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.